another episode of Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me as always is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. How are you today, Chris? Doing good, Jody. Doing good. How about yourself? I'm also doing good. Yeah? Yeah. Awesome. Are you excited for this weekend coming up? We got NAM coming up this weekend. Damn straight. Yeah. And yeah. we will be there and, and hopefully we'll bring some goodies to the podcast for, to talk about. But What do yeah, you I'm mean, hopefully? Forward. We're going to bring goodies back next of week. Of course we will. Yeah. I just didn't want to set the bar. <laughs> expectation too high. <laughs> set it high. Set it high. Come on. Yeah, but I'm, I'm actually kind of excited to go because it's been a few years, obviously, with global pandemics and stuff, we haven't been able to go. So I'm kind of excited to go down and-, and Mask I'm up and see what's new. Yeah, indeed. And indeed. And maybe it'll be just like usual. I'll get down there and I'll go, oh my God, I can't believe I'm here again. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to try to enjoy it. Yeah. But so of be course. Fun. And speaking of new, what have we yeah. got today? We have the new version of Isotope's Neutron to talk about. Yeah. We've been fortunate enough to play around with it here for a couple of days. And we're going to talk about it and what it can do for our listeners or anybody who's using it. So I thought it was pretty cool. What about you? What's your first sort of like impression of it? Beam me up, Scotty. Yeah. (laughs) Very futuristic, yeah. Very futuristic, yes. Yeah. To people that have not worked with Neutron or unfamiliar with it, what is Neutron? I would liken it to a very, very customizable channel strip that goes beyond just the basics of a channel strip. Yeah. Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, I would go along with that. And I think it's important to keep in mind as well as like when we're talking about this as a channel strip, we're not talking of it in necessarily an emulation kind of standpoint. No, no, no. It's I, a very st- modern version of that. To me, I, I, for whatever reason, ever since I became familiar with Ozone for the first time, mm-hmm. I always felt that it was a very sort of modern take because of the way that they started to deal with these things. It wasn't just we're trying to sound like whatever piece of gear was or, or emulate a certain piece of gear. Right. It seemed very sort of surgical and that kind of thing. So it is very modern and I would say firmly planted in the future. A, <laughs> Look to the future. Yeah, I mean, it, it, sound, it, it sounds so trite to say that, but but it is very forward thinking. It's not the emulation of like, this is what it's going it, to, although we can impart some of those sort of like air quote here, analog sounds, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, the functionality, anytime that there seems that there's functionality to be added, it seems like it's in there. So right. we'll discuss that and hopefully that would make more sense <laughs> at the end of the podcast here. But yeah, it's cool. I think of it as just, it's basically a shell plugin to start with, right? Mm-hmm. Where you can load all these different components into well, it. there's eight components. One of them mm-hmm. is kind of doubled up by calling it one and two, which is the compressors. Right. If we describe these components, let's just kind of run down the list here. There's two compressors. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. There's an EQ. There's mm-hmm. a gate. There's a sculptor. There's a transient shaper. There's an unmask filter. And there's an exciter. So that is seven different names right there, but the compressors take up two of those slots, which makes it eight. And the reason right. for that is... There's a row across the top that is similar to the way Ozone works, where you can choose the component, and the order goes left to right. 
Yeah, and all of these components that you load, they can be reordered in any way. So even after you load them, you can click and drag them in the order that you choose. Right. The only caveat to it is, is that you cannot use two of the same thing, which right. is why I think they've added two compressors. Because you can That's, have one compressor at the front, and then you could have another compressor at the back, so to speak, of the line. Or you could yeah. run them concurrently, however you want to do it. So everything else is literally one instance in your row of eight. And if you find that that should be a limitation that you come across, which I doubt, but if you do, <laughs> you can also load all of these components as a single plugin in your DAW. Yes. So they don't have to be sort of housed within the shell or the container there. You can load them. Same goes for like if you just want to use one of them, you can just load that in your DAW as you would any other plugin. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of neat as well. A lot of flexibility there, but maybe we should start just kind of going through these components then. At the top, you mentioned there the compressor. We have a couple of different types. It's not necessarily saying, that, oh, this is like in 1176 or this is an LA-2A. This is a little bit more toward the more modern, I should say. So we have a couple of different <laughs> Well, that modes, is one right? of the choices is modern. Right. And then there's a choice for punch and a mm -hmm. choice for vintage in terms of the external interface. And then if you dive into the settings portion of the plugin, you have two choices of how the compressor is going to react, whether it's a transparent hybrid is what they call it, or a zero latency version. Right. I think the updated thing to the version that we're talking about right now is the punch, which I think is new to this version. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to wrap my head around what this actually does, but it it sounds like it, it sounds so dumb what I'm about to say, but it <laughs> sounds like it adds punch. But what I think it, it's actually doing is that it enhances the transients in a way that just makes it appear that it adds more kick to the signal. Because it's a pretty streamlined interface and we're looking at, there's just an amount. Mm -hmm. There's the attack and sustain, right, to, to how it reacts, but the amount of how much of this punch that you want to add, mm -hmm. right? What can be really handy as well when you're, let's say that you're learning about compression or this goes really for any of the, the components in the plugin here. There is visual representation as well in the interface as what's going on with your audio. So that can be pretty handy. You can actually see what you're doing, although both of us are proponents of not listening. mixing with your eyes and yeah, instead <laughs> of listening. So, so th there's a lot of flexibility with, with the compressors there as well. Now, the other thing so, to, that should be noted is that they can be multi-band compressors and they have three bands each. Good point. Yeah, that's really important to bring up. Yeah. Or you can remove those bands and just treat it across the entire spectrum. That's another factor is that you can set it per band if you want per each thing. So even though it's simplistic, it gets very, very in-depth if you really want to get there. Yeah, right. Just and for the compressors alone. Also, presets for each setting and everything as well in there. So if you want like a starting point, again, both you and I are not necessarily big proponents of like presets for certainly when it comes to compression and things because it's so content dependent, right? Mm -hmm. But it's it nice to have good... if you are still learning kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And if you want something just really quick, right, to get you going, you got a deadline, you got to turn the song over in two hours, right? And yep. you got to mix it. So so that's pretty cool. Uh, the EQ up to 12 nodes, 
you yeah. know, the usual suspects type of thing. So I'm not sure if we necessarily need to dive into that, but it's a very surgical type. Anything that you wanted to add to that? Well, what EQ? I would say is this, is that when you first pull it up, it starts with just four bands. Yeah. And those four bands can be easily selectable to whatever you want. But once you start adding bands, once you get to 11 bands, one of the bands, depending on where you add that 11th node, if you add it at the high end, it's going to turn it into a low-pass filter. If you add it at the low end, it's going to turn it into a high-pass filter automatically. And if you it, use all 12, the high and low nodes will automatically be filters, which is kind of right. cool. And then if you try to add one more, it comes up with a question and goes, are you sure you just don't want to re-record your audio, right? <laughs> he's, he's joking, of course. <laughs> yeah, I, I am joking. But yeah, if you need more than like 12 notes, to, to uh, chances are there might be some issues there. But hey, sometimes you can't re-record, right? So right. there we go. One of these components that I thought was really cool was the next one here on our list, and that, mm -hmm. that would be the gate. Yes, just why do you think, think it's cool? Tell us now. Because the way that it worked, you have different thresholds for when the gate's supposed to stay open and when it's closed. So with the, not just using your ear here, but again, you have a visual representation of your audio that's there. You can get pretty darn surgical for when it hits. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of flexibility there. It has a ratio where you can go in how much it's actually going to duck out or gate would be a better way of saying it. Has attack, has a hold and release knob as well. So it's, it can even be set to a side chain. So you can have a trigger. So it's it's a lot of different controls to just how the gate works. And usually, at least most of the gates that I've been working with, it's either like off or on. It's either triggering or not, right? And then some sort of like rhythmic pattern. But here, I thought that was pretty flexible. So when I was trying it out, I was using it on a keyboard part and it was sort of like a pulsating bass synth type of thing. Mm -hmm. And I could make that a lot more staccato just by using the gate and functionality, just out of experimentation, right? So that kind of stuck with me. I thought that that's pretty handy. How could that you get worked. it to like really like punch you in the gut multiple times in a row? It, it was more like it was giving me room to breathe at short spurts in between the notes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now so, the other so that thing was that you didn't mention here on the gate is that this also can be a multi-band gate. Yeah up to three bands in there. And that's kind of crazy too, where you can set it like on these two bands, I don't want this gate doing anything at all. On this band here at this crossover point, I want the gate to do this, which is pretty insane. Yeah, the flexibility is great, man. On the surface, it's a plugin that I think for most, it's built to make mixing simpler and easier. Mm -hmm. Right, And I think it can do that because, well, we haven't talked about it yet, but we'll, we'll discuss it later on because it has an assistant in, in, in this type of thing. But we'll touch on that later. So it has a lot of those things to make those decisions perhaps easier if you're – especially if you're just starting out with mixing and stuff or, as you pointed out, if you need something really fast, mm -hmm. right? The amount of detail, how you can go into it and really, really fine tune. It's You go down that rabbit hole and it's probably not going to be very fast, but it's going to be very detailed. <laughs> right. So the gate, yeah, I thought was really, really cool. What's next on our list? The sculptor. And if okay. you think about it in terms of being like a Michelangelo of audio, 
Essentially, the sculptor is a component that you feed it the audio that the plugin is on for that track, and it will help determine how to shape that audio. And it has a pretty good array of instrumentation that you can choose from and a second set of settings on it when you click on it before you play the audio of how you want it to treat that instrument. So it's almost like an all-in-one box in that one component. The one thing to note, it's probably doing a ton of computation when it's doing what it's doing. Yeah. What's next? Oh, go ahead. Well, I I just want to say that, again, that this is not necessarily something that I would see as just set it and forget it. I would encourage anybody that's trying these out that just, if you do that, think of them as starting points. Although they can do a really, really good job. But also I wanted to bring up there what you were mentioning with when you pull up the sculptor, for example, you have a drop down where you playing the audio, but you're telling it what kind of audio it is, mm-hmm. right? So whether that's like guitar, synth, percussion, or voice, or whatever, and then further categories through that. And it listens to the incoming audio, and I'm assuming with the math behind it, it's looking for potential issues where you might have. Uh, I noticed that if you feed it like a kick drum, for example, it will look at that 300 range type of thing mm-hmm. and probably dip something out there. And just to kind of clear up that space that we were talking about, that mud that can live there, right? Sure. So that that's sort of like the process that it goes through. But as always, use your ear. So the next one that we have on our list here, and this was another one that kind of caught my ear and eye, and that's the transient shaper. And a transient shaper, just the way it kind of sounds like the name that you're, you're accenting or removing from the transient of the audio, mm-hmm. right? So you're, you're enforcing the transient or not, right? Or enhancing uh, it. Yeah, enhancing it or removing its prominence, I guess. Mm-hmm. The way I tried this out was on a kick drum and without any other processing on said kick drum. And this was a really, really well-recorded kick drum it immediately makes it sound cooler, right, and better. It just, <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's the one, price of admission right there. Exactly, right? It has a couple of different, it's just simple knobs. It has like an attack and a sustain. Pull up the attack slider and you get more of the transient coming in. You can make it so that it holds a little bit more with the sustain slider or the opposite, right? You're, you're removing some of the transient and you know, add to the sustain or remove again. It's got a couple of different curves, but it was, again, one of those in its simplicity, right, that it could be a really, really useful tool, especially on percussion, I would think. But I'm sure it could work well on, let's say, if somebody's a little too aggressive on an acoustic guitar part or something, maybe removing some of those transients there could be uh, really, really cool. And again, like everything else, multiband. Right. So, yes, it does have the ability to add multiple bands of transient shaper to it. Just to kind of take it a little bit further, when you get into that multi band thing, that's where I would almost envision how you were talking about the guitar. Is say you've got a guitar that's like going a little too aggressively or something of that nature, and you want to take the pick attack down, but you don't want to affect anything else. You make a band in the multi band section that's just focusing on that pick attack, and then you can choose to smooth it out and maybe use a precise or balanced version of that. And you can really bring the attack down on the guitar, but still get the vibe of how that strumming is happening. Yeah. 
a lot of uses for it, I think. But but that was another one that I thought, like, wow, this is pretty cool. This is kind of like worth the price of admission right Two there. things <laughs> worth the price of admission right there. And Ooh. with that, let's take a word from our sponsor. And we're back. What is up next with these components, Chris? What's the next thing on our list? Well, this is one of those things that I think isotope are doing really well. And I would say probably at the forefront. It is the unmask component. This is one of those machine learning type of thing. Like we like to say AI, but it's actually machine learning where it can help you get rid of masking. Something that we talked about a few episodes ago between mm -hmm. instruments where you choose an instrument that is playing in a similar range, right? That they can potentially mask each other. Let's say like a guitar or a keyboard. You can insert this and it will help you reduce the masking effectively, right? So it listens to one and it makes adjustment on the other to kind of relieve some of those issues that can come in the mix. Does that make sense? To an extent. Let's just kind of further clarify that it requires two different tracks to have Neutron on it. And each of those tracks have to have the unmask component on it. And they have to be related to each other within the plugin. So the two plugins will pick one other track within the plugin. And then that two versions of Neutron then will talk in between each other and say, hey, this is what my spectral graph looks like at the moment. And then the other one will go, well, this is what mine sounds like. And then they duke it out based on the settings that you give it as to like who gets the prominent factor at this point of the masking from one to the other. Is that a good way of saying it in a not yeah. so layman terms? <laughs> right. But I think also it, you don't necessarily have to have Neutron on it, but you do need to have the Relay plugin on the other track. Yes. If you're not using two of the Neutron full shells, so to speak. Right. Yeah, so as long as you have that, but it does this sort of intra-plugin kind of thing in your session where it listens to another track, and you obviously select that track, and that's the one that it chooses to compare to. And that's where you so eloquently said that they duke it out. To see what <laughs> I get this portion of the mask, you get that portion of the mask, and together we'll make a better sound. Yeah, it's a problem-solving aspect of it, right? Like so many of these things. But, but it is pretty handy the way it looks and the way it works in the plugin. I don't know how the math behind it works. I have no idea, but I do like the results that it can do. Exactly. Uh, so, and I think yeah. the other thing too, is even though we did that entire episode on masking and how to listen for it and deal with it, this is a great plugin and component to the plugin that you can use to help train your ear for these situations. And it's even better if you're having a ridiculously hard time trying to figure it out. You can yeah. use this as your starting point of like saying, oh, that's where it is between these two tracks. Of course, you'd be maybe doing a lot of trial and error. Is it this particular bass track and that kick? Or is it this bass track and that bass track, that instrument and this instrument? Because it can only work between two. Once you've connected it to another version of Neutron in the mix, those two are the ones that are talking to each other. And that's that's just a way of doing it. It's just between two instruments that you choose. Yeah. It is a handy thing, though, because even I imagine this would work really well if you have, let's say, two buses that are of similar instruments frequency-wise, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have... Let's say you have a bass bus that has your electric bass and it's got your synth bass or whatever, and then you might have a kick 
or, or a, a bass drum with your 808s or whatever, and you can feed those and have those talk to each other. Alternately, you know, keyboards and guitars, those, those type of things, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, handy. It's one of those things that machine learning or AI will, will eventually make even easier, I'm sure. And better. Why but, will we but, need ears in the future? Because AI will take <laughs> it over and we don't have to listen at all. I'm not just kidding. Yeah. And then AI is going to tell us what to listen to anyway. That kind of does <laughs> on any kind of And what's service, our last component there, Chris? The exciter. Exciter. Get excited um, when you say that, damn it. Exciter. Next is the exciter. There you go. Yeah, it's that. It adds harmonics. And uh, as you so poignantly pointed out before we started recording here, that you should be excited about that one because it has trash in it. Yes, it does. Because uh, <laughs> I am the resident distortion guy. But um, no, the Exciter is cool. It has two different modes. It has the classic mode. Mm -hmm. And I believe new for this version is that it includes some algorithms from Trash, the Isotope Trash plugin. Does what it does, adds harmonics to it, adds some distortion and tonal controls and everything. Again, multiband here, right? Multiband capable. Yes. Does not start in multiband mode, but it is multiband capable. Again, if you need to add like a little dirt to certain parts of your frequency band, you can do that. One thing that we haven't mentioned so far, but I, I'm inclined to bring up here is that each of these components also have a mix control. Yes. So you could effectively run them in, it's not really parallel, but you can blend them in with the unaffected signal. Mm -hmm. So I think that is really, really cool the way that worked. I, I was happy to discover that they do that because I have not been a massive Neutron user up until this version here, but I tried out and I thought that was really, really cool. I want to say you, that that is an influx that came from the vocal synth plugin, but I could be wrong. Might be right. Again, with the exciter. And vocal synth, here. by the way, is from Isotope. Right, yeah. But I tried the exciter on a drum bus. As you can probably tell, I like to try <laughs> things like on drums, drums because. You were trying it yeah, all over them. yeah, yeah. But one thing that I experimented with just to see what it can make it do, right? Of course, you can trash it all to hell, right? And it sounds like. You know, Trash. <laughs> as, well, as <laughs> industrial kidding. as you want it to be, right? One thing I did was I had it, I believe I had it in trash mode. We have the classic in the trash mode. And I set it to overdrive and I cranked it pretty hard. But then with the tone slider, you can choose where you affect the lower end of the frequency spectrum or the high end. This is separate from the multiband. This is just overall. And I had it all to a negative 100. And if you don't have a room mic, it can create a pretty convincing, super slammed room mic kind of sound. Ooh, so I thought that was thinking. kind of like a cool, um, yeah. I'm not sure if it's intended to work that way, but hey, it did. So I thought that was kind of like a cool <laughs> nice. use for it. One thing but I would like to point out in terms of the exciter, and then we'll move on. Both the classic and the trash come with like an XY function. Mm -hmm. It has a little dot in there that you can move around between four different types of the excitement, so to speak. And with classic, you get retro, tape, tube, and warm. And they're in their respective corners. And with the trash, you get overdrive, scream, scratch, and clipper. What just I the names there will give you. Say that again. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just with the names there, you can kind of 
hear what they're going to do, right? Exactly. It, it's the classic is a little bit softer, gentler, and trash is not. Sorry to cut right. you off. No, no, no worries. It, it, that going in with the whole XY thing, you can automate that, and I could foresee just getting really nutty with automating through those kinds of sounds, especially with the trash thing, to morph the distortion as it goes through a track. That would be pretty cool to me. Yeah, yeah. So that's just so. Me. Was this to make mixing easier again? <laughs> <laughs> More fun, maybe. Right. Yeah, you know something again. Like we mentioned at the top here, that the intention of the plugin initially is to to make some of those decisions easier. Like we mentioned now with the masking and the sculptor and that type of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But also that with all the options that you have with the multiband, everything and mix knobs and everything up, every component, you can get as deep as you want. It's pretty crazy when, when you look at it. So it is. Um, so those yeah. are our eight components. What we haven't really discussed is the difference between a mono and a stereo version of it. If you're running it in mono on a mono channel strip, then what I'm about to describe really doesn't make any sense. But if you run it on a stereo channel strip, what I'm about to say is going to make sense. When you have it in stereo mode, there are several additional functions that happen on the output section of this plugin. And that is you've got choices of inverting the phase, swapping the left, right, changing the pan within the plugin. So the plugin is controlling the pan and it can also control the width. There is a plethora of output options that happen on the stereo plugin. In addition yeah. to that, there is a limiter for the output, the master output of the channel strip, so to speak, of Neutron. Mm -hmm. That master output limiter has multiple modes and styles to it, which if you get through the permutations is nine different permutations of it. And that mm -hmm. is typical kind of IRC type things. And then they have other things called thick, clear, smooth, and hard, which do kind of like in those vibes of what those words mean. <laughs> it's just, it, that's, it doesn't get any more simple than that. It's just pretty I, easy. You choose, I want this and you click that and then that's what you get. And it yeah, you just use your ear with those and see what, what that does, which one suits your track the best. And, sure. and that's obviously your well, One thing we didn't mention with each of these individual components is each individual component has a learn function. So you can tell it to learn what it's listening to in the order that it's in there within the plugin. So all the stuff in front of it from the left-hand side going to the right will affect what the learn is going to hear and then give you options once it's done listening to the track. Now, mm -hmm. there is an additional function on the master interface of this plugin that looks almost like Uranus with a couple of moons or Saturn with a couple of moons. What is it? One of the planets with the rings and the moons and all that kind of stuff. You right. press on that particular button and the interface changes. And you can just hit play on your track with this thing and it will go through, listen to the track as is and create a lineup of the components that it thinks will help improve the sound for whatever it is that you're using. It's just full on AI right there. Yeah. If you're familiar with Ozone, the mastering assistant sort mm -hmm. of thing in Ozone, it's very similar to that, except that this is per track and suggests starting points for what it thinks that your track might need. Essentially, that's our grand overview of Neutron we realize that this just isn't enough space and time to be able to give you the full, full, 
full Monty of the entire interface. But we do recommend that you're going to go check it out. I want to say as well is because I can be skeptical towards these tools that claim to make your mixing just, oh, it's going to do it for you type of a thing, right? These mm -hmm. mastering assistants and mixing assistants, and we're going to choose the plug-in presets for you. But I think that that way of thinking will probably do you a disservice when it comes to a plugin like this. Just because it has that capability, that's not the way that you necessarily have to use it. Because there is some great functionality in here, even if you never use any of the, the sort of AI functionality. Oh yeah. And with that, we're gonna dive into our Friday finds. Chris, what do you have for us this week? Well, one of my favorite plugin designers or instrument designers, Heaviosity. I rave and rant about them all the time when they do something new. Oh, yeah. And this week is no different. They have just released a damaged drums library. This is not the full thing of Damage 2. It's not the full thing. This is just sort of like a processed drum kit component of the kit, as you would use in like an aggressive kind of drum track. I'm assuming and that they're distorted for the most part. I'm sure there's a fair chance that some are, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it is uh, just what you expect from Heaviosity, right? It's not going to be squeaky clean. It's not going to be that. That's not what they do. They have that Heaviosity sound, and the damage drums look really, really cool to me. I am, as you know, a damage owner. I have both one and two, and I'm a big fan. And if you're looking for some of that sound just to include in a sort of like a rock type of a, or maybe even like a score type of a thing without the full library, this might be a way to go because it is a scaled down version. So I'm that's assuming my you're going to start thing. using Neutron on this stuff. I, I might. Yeah. There's a good <laughs> chance. Talking uh, about the gate and the exciter and all. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. So, but, but that's my, my Friday find the, the damaged drums from Heaviosity. Mm -hmm. And what about you? I know you have something interesting sounding here for us. I'm going with something that caught my ear or eye when I saw the headline, The God Particle. It is a new plugin from the company Cradle, and they have worked with Grammy winner Jason Joshua, who is a mixing engineer, and he now uses this particular plugin on his master bus. This is like his master bus thing. And now we can have Jason's master bus thing on our master bus and it's called the god particle <laughs> it's like we almost feel like we need to have angels like singing in the background for this well with a name like that it has to be good right right I, the idea here is that it's got various algorithms for processing for depth and detail and clarity for the mix in addition to that with compression and dynamics and that sort of thing their little catchphrase here that is on the website says, you can do all of this while achieving competitive commercial loudness. You can get it with the God particle if you really want to. <laughs> That's what they're saying. I'm in. I'm in. 
Right on. <laughs> While we've got your attention, we ask that you go to InsideTheRecordingStudio.com and sign up for our mailing list. Doing so will get you weekly reminders about the Tuesday tips when they come out, and we'll make sure you don't miss any future episodes of the podcast. Send us an email at goldstar, G-O-L-D-S-T-A-R, at InsideTheRecordingStudio.com with the word Neutron, and you'll get something cool back in your inbox. If you have a topic or suggestion for Chris and I to explain in a future episode contact us at the contact page and we'll put it into consideration for a future episode with that i'll say see you next week thanks for listening everybody have a good one jody 